0: Well, last Sunday we had our all-church picnic, and I find it has many of the ingredients that's making it one of my favorite experiences of our church year. You have uh, beautiful weather often, at least we did last Sunday. Uh, you got uh, a fun worship experience and then lots of good food. doesn't hurt. But what I cherish the most are the conversations that we get to have, because We have such a large church, there's so many interesting people. I feel like I just never get a chance to really get to know. And so things like the picnic is a chance just to casually sit down at a table and and spend time getting to know one another. And for me, that is what I find most meaningful about ministry. To me, it's about the relationships. I know it's through key people in my home church is how I found God. And I know that every church I've served throughout my career I've been shaped, both me and my family, from the people within that congregation. It's been interesting how my children just naturally go and adopt grandparents, every church we've been at. They continue to keep up with those people uh, even after we move on. And there's been certain people that, as I look at them, they inspire me, how they live out their faith every day in their lives, and it helps shape me for who I need to be. And I found that Last Sunday was another one of those community-shaping events for me, is another one of those times in which I have conversations and get to know people and can be inspired by them. As a matter of fact, I found myself last Sunday night uh, reflecting back over some of those conversations. I know There's actually a prayer practice that, that's designed for that very thing. It's called the Examen. Ignatius of Loyola uh, developed that, in which you think through the significant events of each day and then you try to look at them through God's eyes. And when I did that, I, I realized that there was a couple of conversations that could have gone much deeper if, if I had been paying attention. Uh, I, I remember one one young man uh, had made the comment when I just asked, how's life going? He said, well, I'm trying to learn how to cook for two. And, and when he said that, I immediately connected with my experience because I found it dramatic learning to cook. Cooked with four children. And then when they all got out of the house, I just don't find cooking worth doing anymore, you know? (laughs) And and so I quickly launched into that. And when I went through that reflection, I realized, gosh, Jerry, you missed a great opportunity. Because when he said learning to cook for two, that is a comment that's loaded with information. And so many things I could have explored. You know, I could have talked about how he's now in that empty nest situation and how that causes him to have to redefine who he is. Uh, I could have talked about how it changes how you parent now. Instead of being there all the time for your kids, you're kind of there occasionally. We could have talked about the adjustments that have to be made between husband and wife as now it's just those two. There was so much I could have explored, but because I was self-centered and cared more about what I wanted to say, I missed all that. I missed an opportunity to get to know him on a much deeper level. And that is why we need community. That's why we need one another to shape us and help us understand. That is why we're launching these growth groups. Because we hope that we can create a safe place where people can come together and be accountable and to grow in their spiritual life, a place where you'll be accepted for who you are, a place where you can continue to share both your strengths and your weaknesses and know that because of that process, you can choose to intentionally take steps in your faith to be more faithful. Now, it's important to realize that because as much as you can do some things on your own, uh, you can read your Bible a lot, you can develop a a prayer life that includes solitude to the nth degree. But there are some things that you can only develop in relationship. I mean, where are you supposed to get this spiritual gift of patience? Unless you're with people who try your patience, right? And, And where do you find discernment unless you listen to a whole variety and array of viewpoints and you have to learn to sort things out? And how do you live out that call to love when the Christian definition of love involves action without having people who have needs for you to exercise that love? So some things can only be developed through community. And that's why we need growth groups. Now, Jesus talks a lot about community, which is kind of interesting. I discovered something this week. I found out that The word church, the Greek word ecclesia, is only used in the Gospels, all four Gospels, only two times. Which kind of makes sense because the church didn't actually start until Pentecost. But for some reason it shows up twice in the book of Matthew. And I have to believe it's for the reason that the writer of Matthew must have been in a church in which they were having some problems. And so he chose to bring to bear everything and anything that Jesus had to say about community... And it seems that they all got lumped together in this 18th chapter of Matthew. I got drawn to it because I've always had this favorite passage where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. And so it pulled me into that chapter. And when I tried to put it into context, I found so many things that Jesus says about it. He tells us in that 18th chapter that we are, if we want to experience the kingdom of God, we need to be humble like little children. And how important that is as a faith community, not be vying for power to, to put the other concerns of, of others first. He talks about going out and find that lost sheep because people sometimes stray. And, and then we got this complicated passage. If you read Matthew eighteen, fifteen through twenty, there's this formula about what you do when somebody has sinned against you. And it says first you go to that person and talk face to face, person to person. If that doesn't work, then you go and get one or two others who also have witnessed that behavior and you take them with you to share that concern with the person. It's reminiscent of what's shared in the book of Deuteronomy where it says the only valid testimony is when there are two or three witnesses. If that doesn't work, then you bring the whole church. Now keep in mind, uh, in New Testament times, the whole church was a house church, so it wasn't a gigantic church. And if that witness doesn't work with that person, then you cut them loose. And I know that sounds a little harsh, but keep in mind all those three steps are designed to restore them in the first place. Even the last step has the hope that by being cut off, they'll desire once again to fellowship the church and come back. And then there's one more key passage in that 18th chapter. Peter comes to Jesus and he asks him, Lord, if someone sinned against me, how many times do I need to forgive them? And he asked, seven times? And Peter seems kind of proud of that remark because the traditional rabbinical teaching was that you had to forgive someone three times. So seven, wow, he's going beyond the call of duty. And it's a perfect number, right? And what does Jesus say to him? Not seven times, but 77 times. And we're not even sure. The Greek is a little confusing there. It could be translated... 70 times seven times, or 490 times. The point is, God has already forgiven you countless times. Stop counting, as Dick said, and forgive. The interesting thing is, these same passages point out how hard community is. Community is not easy. We do have lost sheep. People do stray. People do want to do their own thing. In our world today, there's so many options that people have. It's hard to keep before them the importance of fellowship in the Christian faith. And it is true that people get mad at each other. We have a unique ability as human beings to see everything only from our perspective. It's so hard to see things how someone else sees them. We're called to forgive. Over and over, because we're going to wrong each other. We're going to make mistakes. We can be so self-centered. We are sinful creatures at the heart. And so we have to overcome it. Now, authentic community is hard. And you thought this was a mistake. See, we're just trying to make a point here. (laughs) There's lots of humility when it comes to trying to establish community. Community is hard. It is challenging. And it calls upon us to rely upon the goodness of God, to find the grace we need to share that with one another. Let me come to our other passage. You notice in Romans 12, and if you just look at that third verse, it it says something very unique. It tells us that we are given a portion of faith. Don't think too highly of yourself. Because, you know, I know a lot of people out there that don't really think they need anybody. A lot of people who think they can do it all on their own. But do you notice that Paul says, you've only been given a portion of faith. You need faith from other people to be complete. If you really want to be the person that God's called you to be, if you want to be that father or mother or grandparent or brother or sister or even son or daughter that you're called to be. You need others to inspire you, encourage you, develop your faith in community. Let's just stop for a second. Once you look across the room and find somebody you don't know all that well, and just just give them eye contact, okay? Can you find somebody? You can even wave at them a little bit, okay? All right, is it uncomfortable yet? Okay, you can close your eyes, but keep that person in your mind now. And imagine that person and, and realize that person's got experiences. They've got knowledge. They've got wisdom. They've got something to offer that just maybe, maybe you need. And also stop and imagine that maybe, just maybe, they've got needs and dreams and hopes, concerns, in which you just might have the gift they need to face whatever the world is throwing at them right now. So keep that in mind every Sunday as we continue to build this faith community. And maybe that person you made contact with, talk to them sometime. Who knows? You just might have what they need right now in their life. Aaron?
1: Well, God is a covenant making and covenant keeping God covenants with Noah and Abraham and with us in Jesus Christ uh, Just are some examples that might come to mind And covenants are kind of like contracts in the fact that there's always two parties Uh, God is one of the actors when God makes covenants and God is always faithful to his part And then people individuals couples groups uh, Are usually on the other side and while uh... we do our best we're not always faithful but we try uh... to be and hold up our end of the deal as well uh, many of you have entered into uh... covenants through baptism or the covenant of marriage and uh... my wife michelle and i just uh... celebrated our sixteenth anniversary so we just celebrated that covenant on friday And um, one thing that i found out in in uh... sixteen years of marriage is that um i do really dumb things sometimes um i say dumb things i do dumb things uh things that really there's no other excuse other than michelle i wish you just realized sometimes i'm just not all that smart you know i just you know i make the same mistakes over you know uh and somebody gave me some advice, and I usually share this with um, married couples when I'm doing, or preparing to be married couples uh, when I'm going through pre- premarital counseling. And I, I say that, you know, there are going to be times when our, your spouse does dumb things, says things that you're like, ugh. And there's going to be times you're going to look at them and go, duh. You know, I don't want to look at you. They're going to make you so mad you just want to go spit or something. And um, you don't even want to look at them. And they said, so, you know, the lovey-dovey part sometimes fades a little bit. And so you have to really, if you're in this covenant with God, realize that God is in this with you. And at those times, recognize God is the partner you need to lean on when you don't want to even look at the person you married. Um, You have to love this idea of being in a covenantal relationship with another person. And I don't think um, this unconditional love or forgiveness and grace that we experience that my wife often shares with me when I do dumb things um, is just relegated to marriage only. But I think it can be had with other people who we enter into these kind of close relationships with as well. Uh, And that's what we hope these growth groups will become. They'll become a place where you can be loved unconditionally even when you say or do something dumb. When you um, maybe overstate your position a little too much. That's what gets me in trouble usually is that I am an emotional person. I'm a fairly passionate person and I process things out loud. Well, you can imagine that gets you in trouble sometimes. Um, But when you're with people who love you, and know that you are a gift uh, um, of God, just like they are, and a child of God, uh, then amazing things can happen when we uh, let down our guard and are vulnerable and let um, God work on our lives through other people in the midst of community. So we want our growth groups to be this type of covenant community where we can love one another well. And so as you're discerning your possible participation in such a group, if you don't already have one, I hope you already do. But if you don't, this might be the place to begin so that you can have one of these covenantal uh, places where uh, you know that God is in the midst uh, of it with you. So let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for entering into covenants with us so that we can love one another well. May the growth groups forming be covenant communities where we can offer and receive your grace, even when it's difficult. Bless us in all the messiness of community and help us to remind and remember uh, that you are our partner. And when we remember that you are a partner in the midst of the messiness, we will all be blessed. In Christ's name we pray.